Hey guys, it's Brooks Kepka. Uh, I just wanted to welcome you guys to the Golf Monthly Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world of golf. I'm Tom Clark, and once again I'm joined by Elliot Heath. How are you doing, Elliot? Hello, Tom. You alright? Yes, good. We are in a very busy uh, office in our base in Farnborough. It's a nice studio we've got here, actually. It's absolutely gorgeous. We are actually sitting in our luxurious gear cupboard, surrounded by some of the latest equipment. Uh, what can we see? I can see the Epic Flash, the new Mizuno ST190. I can see loads of irons. I don't know what these clubs are, but... Uh, <laughs> Yes, so we've got loads of we've got very luxurious uh, place today because the office is so buzzy we couldn't get an office anywhere else, could we? But you know, we're very golfy today, very golfy. I can see see magazines behind you, stacked up behind you, and everything. So, um, well, what are we going to chat about this week? Well, we're going to be looking back at the golf this weekend, uh, Pebble Beach and the Vic Open, and also we'll be previewing the Genesis Open on the PGA Tour and the World Super Six Perth on the European Tour. We've been looking forward to the World Super Six Perth event all, all year, haven't we? Have we? Well, I love it because as a GM tipster, I have tipped both the previous winners of this event. So I have a 100% record with this. Ooh. So no pressure. So stay tuned to see who I'm... I've got to pick a winner this week as well. I can feel it in my bones. Um, also, we've got some um, audio from Roy McRoy on his practice tips. And also defending Genesis Open champion who takes us uh, through his very unique setup. Of course, it is Bubba Watson. Um, yeah, that's a great listen, really that audio. It's a good uh, interview I was there when we, when we did that, and uh, he's great to listen to. So, firstly, Elliot, did you play golf at the weekend? I did, yes. Uh, I made one of the best birdies of my life. Do you it's want me to elaborate? Please. I had 118 yards to the pin, uphill, into wind. It was very windy at the weekend. Hit a little knockdown, cutty eight iron, Probably landed about four foot away and just rolled the putting. Apart from that, it was very so average. When you say a cutting eight iron, 118 yards, what you mean is an absolute full eight iron. <laughs> no. That must be at the very limit that you, <laughs> you can hit the ball, isn't it? Uh, no, no, that's well within my limits. Shout out to Mizuno here. Oh, nothing feels like a Mizuno. And <laughs> I've got the MP5 blades, and yeah, you can really shape them nicely, and you know exactly how far each shot is going to go. But you still can't hit I don't need to hit them very far. It's not about hitting your eyes far, it's about control. Okay. Did you play golf at the weekend? I did not play golf. What did I do at the weekend? I can't even remember. I think I watched... When was the weekend? A few days ago now. I think I watched some cricket, watched some, watched some golf actually, watched a lot of golf. Um, and which we'll, we'll talk about. Let's talk about that right now. <laughs> Good segue. Indeed, indeed. So we're going to start with uh, chatting about the Pebble Beach Prime, which actually finished on Monday, which was uh, yesterday. Uh... Mickelson won his fifth Pebble Beach Prime, which equals equals Marco Mira's record. Uh, he shot a bogey three sixty five in the final round to win by three. It's his forty fourth PJ Tour title. That's a lot of PJ Tour titles, uh, and of course he has a chance to complete the major Grand Slam this year, which uh, the one major which he's missing is the US Open, and that's being played at Pebble Beach as well. Uh, Paul Casey was leading the event after fifty four holes, but but faded. Faded away. So, bit harsh on Casey though. Shot one under par in the final round. Uh, let's face it, he didn't, he didn't play well enough. That final no, round. no. Um, I, 
I know they had some very tricky conditions ahead. Had a big weather delay mm. where it was glorious sunshine and then there was hail storm and they had hail all over the greens and flooding and all this kind of stuff. And also had to deal with some quite slow play, to say the least. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk about slow play now, Elliot? I know you're, you're desperate to talk about it. Yeah, so I... I I messaged you, didn't I, saying golf starts at 8.50 tonight. And then I was like, oh, no, actually, 6.50 because of the time difference. But then, yeah, it didn't start... It's tricky, the time difference, isn't it? It didn't start to about 9 o'clock because of the delay. And then the hooter went, but the final group couldn't tee off the first because there were three groups on that hole. And 35 minutes later, the final group got to the second tee. I watched about seven holes and then fell asleep. It was just far too slow. I never used to be. Maybe it's just because I'm getting old. Well, quite. <laughs> you were about 13 years younger than me. But um, it was a bit slow. It doesn't help that we've got some groups that are playing as four balls. And those four balls have two amateurs uh, because of the pram uh, kind of playing of the event. Uh, the Mickelson case, he, they only had one amateur. He's playing up about 13. He actually played quite well for my Yeah, I was quite impressed with and him. They, and they, they won as well, cases too. Um, but yeah, they had to restart at 1 pm got dark at six so they had five hours of golf um so i was quite relieved when i heard that that we'd be seeing the conclusion of play and then faldo quickly said in the commentary booth that no there's no chance they're getting it done in five hours which is shocking you were very angry at the rules and sergio last week i'm very angry at slow play this week just yeah how is golf going to so, appeal so, to a mass so market would be, what would you change for the prime the, the pebble beach prime is a very popular event it's over three spectacular courses obviously that final round being played at Pebble Beach it's a great chance for uh, some celebrities to get involved with it maybe get a few more TV ratings so what's the problem? <sighs> if I was a celebrity or one of those CEOs I would absolutely love playing in it playing in the final group of Mickelson and Casey as a 13 handicapper like that's what dreams are made of really isn't it? You wouldn't be able to hit the ball No I wouldn't <laughs> uh, but I, I don't know a solution apart from just speed up. Yeah. It shouldn't take you five hours as a three ball. It's not like they've been held up because they were the only group that didn't finish. Pebbles are, you know, it's quite a long walk. It's a, it's a, it's a not insignificantly uh, long. Well, you know, it's, it's a long, it's a long course. It's a golf course. It can't be that strange. It's a bit hilly. All right. I know, I know you're saying it. Well, it was. T- it did take too long, and it was frustrating. Um, and I know Mickelson wanted to continue to play. It was getting very dark, and yeah. obviously he was in the zone. And Casey obviously wasn't having the uh, the luck, and that he wanted. He Casey decided that actually he didn't want to play the last two holes in darkness. Something that Mickelson then came out and said after he had won the event on Monday, he said fair play to Paul. Actually, managed to smooth out some of the greens that actually got a bit bobbly. Well, he wasn't saying that at the time, was he? He, he was, was throwing he, his toys out the pram. Said that if he suddenly had a shock on the 18th or something. Well, we'll never know. Uh, but Casey managed to get that standalone second place, which obviously gives him a lot of money and ranking points. But Mickelson, incredible. Let's have, let's have some Mickelson stats. Yeah, we? go on then. Mickelson stats, here we go. 270 weeks as world number two, ne- but never been world number one. That, that is an incredible stat. That's incredible. But that is about 230 weeks longer than anyone else. I think Jim Furyk's in second. Um He's finished second six times at the US Open, and the last times that the US Open, uh, the US Open was played at Pebble Beach, he's fourth. He's now spent over. This, now this is the best stat. Yeah, this he's is. He's spent insane. over twenty-five years inside the world's top fifty. Twenty-five years. How old are you, Elliot? 
uh, almost 24. Did you, did you just forget how old you are? <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting old. You're and you are talking about Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson has been in the top 50 for a year longer than you've been around. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? That is, that is, that is probably his greatest I statistic. I think that's one of the, the best sports stats ever. Yeah, because you think Tiger hasn't been in the top 50 for that long. All these elite golfers, they drop off, they come back. So, he, so Mickelson's been in the world's top 50 since 1993. Tiger didn't turn pro till 97, 96? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous, isn't it? It's and ridiculous. the amount of players that have been world number one but haven't had that top 50 reign, yet Mickelson's never been world number one, which is just baffling. Now, Elliot... This isn't on yeah. our little running order here as well, but we had a bit of an argument last week over Skype, and you said that Phil Mickelson was no longer an elite player. That he wasn't one of the world's elite players, and then he obviously then goes on to win. Yeah, I need to clarify this. Please do. I mean, you know, like the top ten players in the world that can dominate and can win, not can win majors, but will be the ones fancied for majors in the next two years. And also, I was referring to Ricky Fowler, saying he's not in that group. Don't go back to Ricky Fowler. Well, I mean, we can go back to Ricky Fowler. I've had a lot of messages about Ricky Fowler this week. Have you? Yeah. And some people were agreeing with you that actually he's not one of the elite players and he's going to win more and more. But I could still think they're talking absolute garbage. Of course, Mickelson is an elite golfer, but is he one of the world's top five or ten players at the moment? No. Will he ever be? No. He's the 17th, according to the, exactly. the world rankings. It's not bad. He's won a WGC in the last year. He's won again at Pebble. And now we're talking about him as a potential winner of the US Open and completing the Grand Slam. Yeah. This conversation, it just makes you realise he is an absolute legend on the course. Um, one of the greatest golfers of all the, time. Uh, he won the match as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Get that. Yeah. I think his PJ Tour earnings are up to something like 89 million now. But, yeah. So, so my question to you, I know I've thrown you in the deep end there because um, we were having an argument which then has obviously proved your, your point proved completely wrong after Mickelson had won the next event. Ted Potter Jr. won the Pro-Am last year. Indeed, but Ted Potter Jr. hadn't won the WGC the year before. Anyway, anyway. Uh, do you think Mickelson will win the US Open at Pebble Beach this year? No. <laughs> Do you? Well, I think he's got to be considered, hasn't he? I know Mickelson said that it was going to be a very different course to the one that they just played on the rough with the uh, the rough that there is there. It's just not a huge amount of rough at Pebble anyway. I mean, there is a bit around the greens. I always remember Dustin Johnson having a shot around the greens when he was leading the last game in 2010. So oh, that was painful. Indeed. Um, but... Mickelson, he hits the fairways. What was that stat on Thursday? Hundred percent. Hit every single yeah. fairway uh, on Thursday. Was that actually at Pebble Beach, or was that Spyglass? <laughs> oh, uh, I, I think it was Monterey Peninsula. Oh, okay, well there you go. Under that one. But it shows that he's actually. There's always been his biggest weakness is not hitting enough fairways, and his his game seems to be in a pretty good place at the moment. Um, so I, is he going to win it? What's his odds going to be? Probably I think he's moved down to 25 to yeah, 1 20, at the moment. But it's four months away. So it'd be great, you can't it'd be an amazing story if he did. As a 48 year old as well. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he, you know he's, he's doing well. He's doing well. So uh, let us know. Who do you think Mickelson's going to win? Let us know on social media, uh, on our Facebook page, Golf Monthly Magazine, on Twitter, at Golf Monthly, or even on Instagram, at Golf Monthly. He's definitely a golfer that I will 
tell my grandchildren about if I ever have grandchildren. <laughs> like that Phil Mickelson. I wasn't an elite player. No. So I watched him. I watched him. He played golf. He could hit that ball in that hole and everything. But yeah, like you're when you have grandchildren and they get into golf, you can tell them all about Phil Mickelson. Well, yes, one of the greatest players of all time. Chances are I probably talk to them more about cricket than golf, but that's just me, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Well, there was another event uh, which uh, finished the weekend, and that was the Vic Open in Australia. So this was the uh, the event which happened was the European Tour playing alongside the LPGA Tour, and the European Tour event was won by Scotland's David Law, and that was his first European Tour title, and he won it in quite a spectacular style. He eagled the final hole, um, which meant that Wade Ormsby, who doubled the 17th, out, I know, lost by one, so that was a bit of a, a huge swing right at the end. Uh, Law came through the Paul Laurie Foundation. And um, the 1999 Open Champion has been a mentor to him. Uh, in the ladies' event, Francis Celine Boutier also won by a stroke. So I thought it was a pretty decent event. Did you see any of it? Is the first question of it. Be honest. <laughs> uh, I saw some, yeah, saw some highlights. I actually stayed up quite late Saturday night because I was doing some work. And um, so I saw the start of the final round. And it was quite a refreshing event. There wasn't a huge amount of people watching it, but there was no ropes, so the players could were actually uh, sorry, the spectators were actually told, you know, you can follow the players down the fairways, you get quite close to the action, and I thought it was quite it was quite good how they'd done it. So the, the, on that final day, they had uh, the men's teeing off, and then the women's as the group after them, and and consecutive ones like that, and it was just really nice and refreshing. I know the, they were playing in separate events. But two events finished, you know, within ten minutes of each other on the same hole, and maybe a blueprint for the future. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. It's just a shame that this event, sorry to be negative, the, had that's what you had a very I'm the positive one. You're the negative. Okay? <laughs> had a it, it had a very small prize fund, didn't it? And only four of the world's top fifty ladies played, and not really many elite world class men played either. Uh, but yeah, it's great. Do you think there are other opportunities for golf to have something like this? So you have two events, you have a men's and women's event being played at the same time. 100%. Same Where do you think they could, that could fit in, maybe? Um, the first obvious one would be the Olympics. Make yeah. that mixed. Uh, have you read Ian Carter's BBC blog this week? I have, actually. Have actually, you? About... I was actually going to mention that. Oh, the same thing. Go on then. about the WGC? Yeah. So, WGC, uh, so Ian, who obviously writes for BBC, uh, and he used to be a former golf umpire as well. Um, he said maybe the WGCs who have actually had some issues with the PGA Tour and the European Tour recently, maybe that's a great chance for them to actually put on two events, have a nice big prize pool, make sure that the uh, events have got strong fields, and again play these events next to each other at the same time, so that the women's game get a bit more coverage than they, than they do anyway. I thought, I thought that was a really good idea. Yeah, I don't really think any golf fans would not want to watch the women play. It's just whenever it's presented to us, it's behind a PJ Tour event or something. And yeah, you yeah. have to choose, don't you? You have to choose your events because they played at the same time. They played Thursday. Yeah, exactly. And they, if it's being played in America, it's being played at the same time as the men's event. And the chances are, you are going to watch the men's event because the golf's a bit higher standard. It just is. And also, nothing against the ladies' European tour, but whenever. 
LPGA Tour golf is on. Um, again, that's great seeing the world's best women players. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more with it. But I thought it was a, it was a really, uh, it was an interesting event. I'm glad they're trying to do these things. I think it's clever. There's actually a lot of Australian events which are actually like, trying to uh, do things slightly differently to get the players over and also get a bit more coverage. We'll sit when we talk about the, uh, the event this week. Should yeah. more, more better women have played? Have they missed out on a good opportunity there? But as we said, it's, it's, it would have been the smallest prize fund of the year in the LPGA Tour, is that right? Yeah, but life's not all about money, is it? Know, but, know, They're still getting paid decent not, sums. It's not all about money, but th- when these guys are trying to actually keep their card and trying to make sure that they put in the effort, it's a long way over to Australia from wherever you are. But as I said last week, it's the start of a really good Australian and Asian swing for the LPGA Tour. Mm. It's tricky. I think they've got to, they've got to pick their, their moments. And I think maybe for some of them they were going to say, mm, what's this event going to be like? seems a little bit interesting. Maybe next year if they do the same thing, people will see actually it was quite a success and actually they'll get a stronger feel. Hopefully they will be able to increase the prize fund as well. Um, sorry. Anyway, a bit on Celine Boutier. She sure. was a European Ladies Amateur Champion and she also won a very big amateur tournament I can't name at the moment um, one on the latest Euro- <laughs> one on the latest European tour as well so yeah that's brilliant for so we're saying that she could be actually so she's one of the names who actually bothered to go across to Australia she's, she's won and actually that's is that going to be a launch pad for the rest of the year do you think we're going to see her name other <laughs> yeah people? well we got the Solheim Cup this year maybe I don't think she's played in it before maybe yeah. she can make her debut there uh, clearly got a great game because there, there were some decent players in that field yeah Georgia Hall was obviously there. Mel Reed was playing as well, which we didn't mention last yeah, week. And, and Charlie Hart. So I know none of them actually got Georgia Hall, who I picked, didn't she? Uh, was top 10, I think, played in the last, last round. There's most of my picks seem to be doing at the moment. I did see Charlie Hall shot 81 in the second round he to miss the cut as well. He does have that. So, uh, and I think last last word, I think, should go to, to David Law, who actually had a very tough year. They, uh, him and his partner lost a, a baby a year ago, but they, since then they actually have had a a baby since then so amazing for him to go over there to win his first European Tour title obviously a Scot so we've got to make sure that we pick up the Brits and say well done to him and hopefully it's again the start of of his uh, resurgence to a, a really good 2019 for him as well yeah he turned pro in 2011 and then he won on the Challenge Tour last year so seven years after turning pro yeah. he got his first victory um so yeah, clearly in the prime well, of his yeah, career at the moment. Straight away, Champions Tour, uh, uh, sorry, Challenge Tour, and now, uh, now the European Tour. So we're going to move on and preview uh, the talks for this week. But before we do that, um, we have a bit of time with Rory McIlroy. And here's some audio on, on him offering his tips on how to practice at the driving range. There definitely has to be a blend. There has to be technical parts of your practice where you're working on your swing and working on getting into different positions uh, that will allow you to hit the ball better, hit the ball more consistent. Um, But then you have to get away from that part of it and and play games, put yourself under pressure in practice because the more you can simulate what it's going to be like on the golf course, on the the range, the better you're going to perform out there. So yes, of course, there has to be times where you're working on your, you know, you you might do some drills and you're working on your setup, your alignment. you're practicing taking the club halfway back, whatever it may be, but then you have to get out of that and, 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 and do enough reps of that so it beds in itself without much thought. 
and then you have to just hit shots, hit the shots that you need on the course, whether you, you pretend that there's a pin in the middle of the range, okay, this is you know, a back right pin, I can't miss it right, I have to, you know, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, put yourself under pressure, and I, I really enjoy playing little games like that on the range because that's what makes you better. That's what, when you're under pressure, hitting, you know, with a one-shot lead, hitting a shot into the last hole, those sessions on the range are what's going to help you produce, hopefully, a shot that will help you win a golf tournament. So, some really good insight there from Rory. Elliot, are you going to take any of that advice onto the range in the near future? Yeah, definitely. I think all golfers should. I love the idea about envisaging the flag down the range and just creating situations like you can't miss it right or you can't miss it left. Or if there's a tree at your driving range, pretend that that is the out of bounds. I think you can't slice it out of bounds right at that tree. Um, it's yeah, really I good. Think some people at the driving range, they just... Like you. Smash, well, they just <laughs> try and smash balls, and actually, they just try and hit them as far hard as they can, and as far as they can, and they don't actually have targets to look at. They're just trying to, they trying to hit the back wall usually. Yeah, you got to try and replicate on course. No, great insight there from Rory. Hope maybe that some of you could uh, take some of his advice and use it on the range for yourself. Yeah, we've got a few more of these clips from Rory coming up over the next few weeks. Um, there's a really good segment on his mental game as well and a bit on technique where he goes into biomechanics and things that average golfers probably can't understand. Yeah, but they sh should be interesting. So uh, this week we have on the PJ Tour, big event, the Genesis Open, uh, being played at Riviera uh, near Los Angeles. <laughs> It's one of the best, most historic clubs in America, and it is actually one of those brilliant events early on in the season where we know that strong field is going to turn up. And there is a strong field, including Tiger Woods, uh, who is making his second start of 2019. Uh, Woods, surprisingly, perhaps, has never won the event. It's one of those events that he has never won. There's not many, is there? Um, but he's a special one as he made his PJ Tour debut there at Riviera. Uh, and him and his dad used to attend the event as fans. Uh, so he's obviously really going to want to put in a good performance again this, uh, this week. Uh, the big field, as mentioned, including Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, Buster Johnson, DeChambeau, Fleetwood, Rahm, Sergio Garcia. Is he going to get DQ'd this week? Oh, he gonna it's going to be awkward, isn't it, in that let's locker room? Sergio, yeah, let's not mention Sergio. It's <laughs> a so huge, huge uh, um, field. McIlroy... Woods and Thomas are paired together uh, for the first two uh, rounds as well. Um, and some other bits of history. Fred Couples is making his 35th appearance. Oh, legend. Absolute and legend. Well, it's always good to see Freddie's uh, swing, time swing. Uh, Bubba's the defending champion. Uh, he won it for the third time last year. Uh, and he's back to defend. So. What a week. I can't wait for it. I love this I tournament. Bet you, I bet you can't. This is, this is, this is what we want to see, isn't it? It's going to be... Sunday evening, Saturday night viewing yeah. the best golfers. Who do, who do, who do you think is going to do well this week? Uh, I'm going to pluck a name out there and go with last week's runner-up, Paul Casey. I remember he was in a playoff here a few years ago. Um, yeah, I just love this tournament. I love the 18th. The 10th is one of the best holes, I say, in the world. I haven't really played many holes in the world, but that drivable par four that you were, no, but, but you, 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 you've watched lots of golf so if you think yeah. it's actually one of those holes actually I'm, oh hang on a minute we're going to come up to the tenth here and we're going to watch this it, you know it is one of those it's a, it's a fantastic place they obviously get looked after really well and they've got a massive 
you know, they've got a fantastic place there. So, um, and usually huge crowds. Yeah. As well, being close yeah. to LA, um, all the players over there, it's it's going to be fantastic. It's probably the best field of the year so far as well. It's going to be up there. Yeah. It's going to be up there. I don't know where else would have been close. Well, probably Saudi. Yeah. It's a shame that Rose isn't playing. Yeah. Uh, I remember Kepka in an interview we had with him on the podcast, or maybe we haven't actually put it on the podcast yet. He said that he doesn't like that West Coast swing, so that's why he's not playing. Yeah, but, um, and, you'll, and you'll see that from players, players that, that some courses and some swings that you know they they put they actually okay we're going to put some rest weeks in there, um, and it's it's that time where the Masters is is not that far away. We're only ooh, seven weeks away. It's quite scary. Yeah, a great stretch coming up yeah, as well. Exactly. So people try to just make sure that they play just enough tournament golf, but also have that rest before, so they're fresh to go for Augusta, uh, which is getting excitingly close now, isn't it? So my tips. Yeah, who are you backing this week? Am I going to back, back a winner this week? Let's hope so. So my my tips for the Genesis Open are, firstly, Jordan Spieth. Oh. Oh. So, Jordan Spieth had a lot of bad press, but seems to be really getting back into his game. First two rounds at Pebble last week. Did have a poor-ish weekend, so he faded a little bit. But I think Spieth is going to have a much better year than last year, and I think this could be the place where he really kicks off. He's, he was uh, top ten last year as well, so he's got a pretty, pretty decent record now. There. Seems to be putting a lot better. And if he puts yep. well, he's going to be at the top of the most leaderboards. And my second tip is Tony Fino, one of my favourite guys to go for. Uh, he was second there last year, lost that by a couple of shots. Seems to be perfectly suited to that course in game. And he's been in a decent run of form. So since last year at the Genesis Open, he's had a whole year of golf. He's missed three cuts, but he's actually finished runner-up in four events. So... That shows actually how consistent. Great talent. He's been a uh, really good Ryder Cup as well. Yeah, absolutely. So speed you can get at good odds twenty five to one and Finau twenty eight to one. So for the rest, I've got two other better tips to, for for that event. So do Google golf better tips and click on the golf mafia uh, page when it comes up, and uh, you'll see my other tips. What were Tiger's odds this week? He's about twenty five to one as well. Didn't fancy actually, him. Twenty five twenty to one. No. Not, no. not for me. I don't, he's only what's his only second second start, can we say? So um, yeah. And say I don't. It's one of those courses which I think he'd love to be able to play a bit better on. I think it's a little bit early for him. This is all for me. This is all getting Tiger ready for Augusta. You know, get the get the holes under his belt, tournament plan his belt, and. Uh, it's crazy that he hasn't won this tournament, isn't it? Really, like he made his PGA Tour debut here, at age sixteen. It's his boyhood tournament that he loves. Uh, I remember last year he missed the cut quite badly, actually. Yeah. Probably by three or four so shots. Again, it, was early on, it was early on, and we didn't know that, that he was going to have the 2018 season that he was going to have. So. Yeah. It was horrible watching him for me. As a massive Tiger fan, he he couldn't hit fairways, and then you struggle around Riviera, and then he couldn't hold putts either. And But then, yeah, it all got, got better. Than... If you're missing fairways and can't hold putts, I know that's, you're not going to win many tournaments, are you? No. Mickelson probably would. Yeah. But, uh, um, no, so it's great, uh, great thing to look out for, and we have, as mentioned previously, we've got some audio now with last year's winner, three-time winner of that event, Bubba Watson, and he's this is fantastic bit of audio taking us through the clubs that he uses and some fascinating insight into his very unique game. 
we started doing the pink drivers for charity a few years ago. And so we've made a few um, for help some children around the world. And then mine is, uh, this one is uh, 7.6 degrees loft, you know, custom shaft by uh, True Temper. It's still the old by Matrix, came out in 2002. So I haven't switched shafts. I've played that same shaft since 2002. Love it. There's never been another shaft that I can hit the, what I call the dink cut and then the high bomb. Uh, so I can do everything with it. Club head speed's probably around 120-ish. It depends on which monitor you're on. You know, we've seen on tour where people are swinging a lot harder than it really are. So it just depends on whose launch monitor you're on or whose numbers you're, you're dealing with. At ping, I'm around 120. Um, and then, gosh, my carry distance on my so-called find the fairway dink cut is probably around 290. Um, rolls out to 300, 305, that area. And then um, if I was really trying to get after it, 320 carry, uh, if I hit it uh, with no wind, just straight away. So yeah, I mean, I, I can do a lot with the club. I like to play a cut most of the time, but um, if I have to, I can draw it a little bit, even though it's built not to draw. I open it up and, and make it stiff so that it um, doesn't draw very good. Yeah, I got a three wood, um, again, custom shaft, just because I like custom bright colors. I usually, I really have it just for like um, a par five, some shots, a couple shots off the tee here and there, depending on the course, but I don't hit it that much just because I really don't need it. Um, it's either driver, I got a two iron that goes 260, so the three wood's kind of right in that middle zone. You know, with golf courses now trying to get 600 yard par fives, so every once in a while I'll have to pull out the three wood trying to get there and two if I can somehow hit the fairway. So um, that's when I usually bust out the three wood. A couple of short holes where they're, they're making drivable holes as well, um, where a three wood might come in handy. Riviera in LA, number 10. You know, I'm hitting three wood there trying to somehow shape it onto that little green. Um, driver, you know, I get about six months out. We get it a lot earlier than, uh, than the public. But before it even goes in play on the tour, you know, they give it to us and let us test it to see what we like and don't like so they can tweak it before it comes out. Three wood is, um, is a little later. And so I just don't, because I don't hit it as much, I just don't have that time to practice because I want to practice with the other stuff. Uh, so that's just harder for me to put in. Two iron is, um, I have it for, again, I don't really like hitting wood off the tee because of, uh, I want to hit something lower that gets in the fairway and runs. So this two iron is, I think it's 17 and a half degrees. So it's like a one iron. And then I, um, it's my stinger off the tee, trying to get the fairway, especially at a British Open. It uh, really helps out, hit it lower and running. But on tour, it goes about two, I'll say 260 off the tee. So it's a perfect so-called three wood as normal people, I guess. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been a good weapon in my bag over the last year or so when I've been using it. Normally the eye blade's built to go higher, easier for people to hit. But for some reason, this one, especially when we lowered the loft a little bit, it's coming out like a, a just a rocket, low bullet, so um, I really like it. I've been using the S55s again because of the, like the, the new model, the iBlades, um, they go too high because I want to be able to work the ball all different directions and high, low, and I felt like these iBlades were just going too high for me, so I stayed in the 55s. I love them. They've been good to me. I've won a few tournaments with them, so um, I didn't really see any reason to switch. When you're learning a, a new club, trying to learn how to flight it down, and I just like these too much, so I just stayed with them. And, and Mr. Solheim and Ping said it was okay. I scrape all my labels off. I don't like labels on my shaft. So um, I think these are X100s, whatever that means. Yeah, I don't know what that means, but they say it's what I need, so it works out. Yeah, um, Ping, uh, their, their gold series, yellow series, whatever you want to call it, is a mid-sized grip. And then I wrap it, oh man, depending on what day of the week it is, but I wrap it, uh, there's probably 11 
11 to 12 wraps of tape under there because I like them bigger. And the reason why is because I, I, my hands um, work real fast through the impact. So I try to get the bigger grips to slow them down a little bit. You know, in golf, minute movement is a big deal. And so for me, instead of changing my grip uh, weaker, I just try to change the, the grips and I open them up too. If you look down the ping, you can see the, uh, the club face is open. So that reminder back there makes me feel like I'm a weaker grip. So I trick my game into a feel in a certain way instead of me changing my hands position because then I'd have to learn the whole golf game over again. So I wanted to change the, the grip to match my swing or my grip. When I was in college, I played regular stiff shafts. And they asked me when I, when I finally turned pro after college, um, Ping asked me, why do you use regular, regular shafts? And I said, because that's all I could afford. I didn't have, you know, we, this is my set I've been using for 10 years. And they said, okay, well, you want something else? And I said, whatever y'all tell me. So that's how we went to these shafts. And that's how we started setting it up that way. I was playing massive hooks in college uh, because of the shaft and because of the grips and everything. So I just put big old hooks. Uh, and then not until I turned pro when I started cutting the ball because we built the clubs right where I could start fading the ball and play a different game. Yeah, so um, my wedges are 48 degree, 52 degree, 56, and then a 63. Oh man, the pitching wedge, the 48 degree, 150 yards, just a standard shot. 52 is around 135-ish, 120 for the 56, and then 100 is a normal shot for my 63. Anywhere inside of 100 yards, as long as there's no tree trouble, it's going to be the 63 degree. Um, chipping, bump and runs, flop shots, bunker shots, everything is a 63 degree. I learned how to play with just the wedge around the greens and everything, so I've never switched. Instead, you know, I can hit other shots, but most of the time it's going to be a 63 degree unless there's something in the way something or something I have to do different. And then obviously when I won the Masters a few years ago, the 52 degree is the one I hit the massive hook with. So I can move the ball any direction with them, but I added four wedges um, just to give me more playability around the scoring areas, 150 yards and in. I have a candy shop. I love sugar. So um, I put Bubba sweet spot on my wedges, my scoring clubs, because of the, you're trying to hit the sweet spot of the wedge. And so my candy shop is Bubba sweet spot. So it worked out perfect that it was, Made sense, it was funny for me, so they, so Ping put them on there for me. I guess you'd call it a custom putter, but I don't know anything about it. It rusts, that's all I know. It's some rust material, but um, I started using it in LA this year. They took two putters, they took a normal putter, and then they took my other putter, and they chopped it in half and um, welded the uh, the hosel together. And some re some reason in LA, I started using it, and I happened to win uh, Riviera, and um, I don't like the rust at all because I don't like the look of it, but it feels good and it's been working and it hasn't got too rusty yet, but they said they can take the rust off if it gets too rusty. So I'm just waiting for that day, but it's been, it's been working good. Um, and we went to loft. We went to, um, we found my original putter that I putted with and it was at six degrees of loft and I've been putting with three degrees of loft. So instead of going all the way to six degrees, we went to uh, four and a half. We just kind of picked in the middle somewhere and uh, went to four and a half and I've been putting a lot better making some putts and um, competing in some tournaments. So it's been, uh, it's been good that we, uh, I told the engineers, just figure out a way to make me putt better. And so they went to it and they, uh, this is what we came up with, is getting the loft right, getting a better loft for me um, because of the way I stroke it. And then they got a softer field putter. I didn't putt very good sometimes, so I switch putters every once in a while. But now, but yeah, this is the one I've usually, I, I love, this is the one I always stick to when it comes to my eye. Because my whole game is about feel. And so when I grab this one, it just, it feels the look makes me feel right. 
And so the mallet to me, um, inside 10 foot, it looked like I, I couldn't hit it soft enough. And so that's why this one's always been good. So there is the very uh, unique Bubba Watson. What's your favorite thing about uh, Bubba's setup? Oh, there's so many. Uh, probably the fact that he used to use stiff shafts in college as a as an amateur, and that he used to hit hooks. Like, can you believe or imagine Bubba Watson hitting hooks now? Well, no, but it, well, that's the thing with Bubba. He Just shows his he, talent. Exactly. I think well, his his most famous shot ever is probably a a deliberate hook. <laughs> yeah. When he he when he won at Augusta, and he somehow got it out of the trees and up onto the green at the tenth at Augusta. When I was at Augusta last year, oh, there you go, I've got it in again. Uh, I, you, it's one of those spots on the course which you think I'm going to go down and find that spot. Where Is there a plaque or anything? No. How do you know where it was? That, well, you, you can just see. And also, the only thing that you really know that you know you're in the right area is there is only one bit where there is actually a gap. Oh right. So it must be there because the, the trees are pretty thick down that bottom down the hill at ten. And when you see it, it's it's. Quite amazing that he managed to do it. You can see how he did it, but you're not sure exactly how he did it. Yeah, it's one of those. Like, I wonder if you gave him ten balls, would he be able to do that again? I've seen Bubba a few times. So I was, I was on the first tee at Celtic Manor in 2010, but Bubba was really only really coming into it at that point. And um, I was on the first tee, and everyone, you know, the shot shape that most players hit. It's, whether they have a fade or draw, it's pretty straight here. Yeah. You know, and it just moves a little bit here and a bit there. Bubba's hit this huge, it looks slice. And as he hits it, everyone goes, ooh. And then it just came back so perfectly, middle fairway. And that's yeah, something I always remember. So he's a talent. He just knows how to manipulate the ball. When we're saying, we're talking about going and being on the driving lane, you can imagine how many times he's decided to try and hook it around things or something yeah. around things deliberately to hit. You know, with a with a target in mind, and uh, yeah, he's he's great. I cannot wait to see Bubba. If Bubba's playing, got he's one of those guys. There's not many guys out there where I'll actually. If Bubba's playing well, I'll actually stop and, and watch it because he's he's an entertainer, isn't he? Yeah. Um, back to what he was saying there. Like, <laughs> it's just mind blowing that he hits his 63 degree wedge on every shot inside 100 yards. And as amateur golfers, you're told when you get near the green. If you've got nothing to go over, just take up less loft and just bump it up there. But yeah, it just shows you how unorthodox he is. And but he's such a talent, that's the thing. Yeah. And he can do it because he, he, he's just such a good ball striker and he knows exactly what's going on. Unfortunately, I can also imagine there's lots of amateurs now fighting 63 degrees. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then chunking it left, right and centre. But um, funny enough, because I knew that we were putting this audio on the podcast last week. At the weekend, I started hitting my lob wedge around the greens from everywhere because I was like, if that's what Bubba says, then why can't I how, do it? How does that go for you? I hit one to about an inch, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so if it works, it works amazingly well. If it yeah. Goes, if it, that's the thing. If it goes badly, it can go about as bad as any shot can go, isn't it? Yeah. And that's the thing. There's, I think when coaches say, use a, oh, use a 9-iron nine or use a 7-iron, just chip around it, it's because if something goes wrong, usually can still get away with it. Yeah. You know, you're still going to progress the ball and it's probably going to be on the green and, you know, no damage. Whereas if you take those lob wedges and you hit an inch before the ball, yeah. It's, it's never, yeah they're unforgiven, it's never aren't they? Ever. You need but those magic hands, don't you? Indeed, which you don't have. Anyway, there is another event this, uh, this week. Uh, that's, again, in Australia, the World Super 6 Perth. It's at Lake Harinyup Golf Course. 
Uh, and this is a this is a mixed stroke play and match play event, and again a different kind of event over in Australia. There's a 36 hole stroke play event where they have a cut, and then on Saturday they have uh, another round of stroke play, and then there's a 54 hole cut, and then the reduce is is a uh, uh, sort of the field is reduced to 24 players, and those 24 players then go on to play match play in six hole matches. Hope you'll keep you up with this on the Sunday. Uh, it's very different, um, and as I said, I've managed to pick the winners for this last two years. Um, that was Kyodet Kandabarnat last year and uh, Brett Rumford the year before. Um, what do we think about this event? I, I quite enjoyed watching this because it's, again, something a little bit different, and um, players don't have any time to rest. They've got to be on their game every single time. Do you like it? <laughs> yeah, uh, brilliant final day, but what's the point of the first three days why don't you just have one 18 hole round for qualifying make it a two day event and um, make it shorter and better for non-golf nerds basically well I think from their point of view it's actually well, and actually from the pros who are actually going to be playing this event so they're not the top top end of the of the professional game there's going to be a few journeymen in there and people who are really struggling to make, to make their cards so every every pound Counts or every euro counts, I should say. So actually, they have that stroke play event, so they can actually still win some money. So they have that cut, as they always do in every European tour event on the Friday, and it means everybody in who makes the cut will make some cash. Right. Which I think is quite important, especially those guys. It does get the, the weirdest thing is that we've had the last few years is where you have a lot of people tied uh, around the 20. Four player mark. So you know, I think we had an, an eight or nine man playoff on the Saturday evening for one spot to make it through to the Sunday. That can get a little bit odd when you've got. I think they had a five ball and a four ball playing, and um, it was a knockout thing. So um, a little, little bit odd how that, how that can go on. That can go on for a little while, but it's something a bit different. Yeah, that final day, as I said, is. It's quality golf. It doesn't matter if they're not world class or if well they are, they are all phenomenal golfers, but it's just great six hole match play. So the time difference is a bit closer to us, isn't yeah, it? So now the, we've moved to the, the west but, coast. Yeah, it's on the west coast. So um, they're yeah, so they're they're live. So the end of the tournament will be about eight or nine a.m. over here. Maybe even ten a.m. actually. So um, there's a there's a chance for European viewers to watch a bit more golf. Yeah, if you're up early Sunday morning, definitely stick it on because it'll be a great watch. And um, yeah, I just love the six-hole format. It'd be great to see that again with the world's best players. Maybe men and women six-hole joint match play or, or yes, something like that. Maybe that's, that's, that's what, what they we did could do. Similar last year at the Golf Sixes. Yeah. Where who who was playing from the women? Uh, Charlie Hull and Georgia Hall. Georgia, oh yeah, so Charlie Hull and Georgia Katrina Hall. Katrina Matthew and Thomas Bjorn. Yeah, so Charlie Hull and Georgia Hall got through to the quarterfinals of that, I think. Um, and they lost the eventual winners uh, in Ireland. So, something that's been experimented with, and that, again, maybe with the Vic Open and the regional success that has, uh, again, that could be something that, that, that is looked at. Um, so, as I, as I mentioned, this, this is a, a tricky event to pick a winner for, um, and it can be a bit nervy. So, the first thing we played two years ago, Brett Bromford, I picked him, and he was something like six shots clear on Saturday evening in the stroke play and I tipped him to win 
and usually be over the moon, saying, oh, I've got a six-shot lead going into the final round. Yeah, but that but means nothing in this tournament, does it? He wiped out, and he had to... Although the, I think the first eight get a bye through the first round of the, of the, of the match play rounds, he had to then go on and win everything, and he did eventually, which was, which was nice. But um, it was a little bit nerve-wracking, because usually you would have thought, oh, well, that's a nice bit of profit. So who am I going for this week, is the big question. So first up, Lucas Herbert, the Australian... So he had a good finish a few weeks ago in Dubai where he finished seventh. Uh, but he's actually got a really good record in this event itself. Finished third last year and ninth the year before that. So he's 25, he's a young Australian. That's very good odds for him. I thought he'd be tournament favourite. No, so the tournament favourite, Tom Lewis, right. who won a few weeks ago. Thomas Peters also played. Ah, oh, of course. You know, so they're quite big names, aren't they? Um, so, yeah, 21. Also shows Thomas being the favourite at sixteen to one shows actually the book, bookies are not really sure because of the format and actually yeah it's a very t- difficult event to predict tight, uh, tight market I think and then the other player I'm going for Ryan Fox he's twenty five to one uh, he's sixth at the Saudi International again a couple of weeks ago and he's been very unlucky in this event so he's finished a shot off making the Sunday the last event oh, and really? actually missed out in one of the playoffs. Massive playoffs, I think, in the first year, remember that. So, um, he's obviously from New Zealand. I think he'll do again well this week. And to find out how we do, and hopefully my picks do do well this this week, I am due overdue a winner, shall we say? Yes, <laughs> yeah. When was your, was your last win, yes. Charles How the Third? Well, yes, that wasn't that long ago. No, it wasn't. It was also my birthday, so well done, Charles. Um, also the day that you topped it off the first tee at Burnham Barrow, wasn't no, it? No need for that, <laughs> I remember that. I remember that, Elliot. Yeah, it was one of those tops that goes in the air, though, because it was so <laughs> topped. Yes, I've had to, yeah. let's, let's, let's not talk about my okay. birthday, please. Let's, let's, let's do other people actually know. <laughs> uh, but find out, uh, tune in next week, see how we do. Fingers crossed we get a couple of... We're, we're toasting our success. So next up is what the, the moment everyone's been waiting for. It's the quiz. Are you ready for the quiz? What is the score in the quiz between us? I believe it's 4-1. You believe, you believe it's 4-1? I think it's 4-1. When you say you believe it's 1, you know it's okay. 4-1. Okay. So, as ever, we've got 10 questions. Sam, the office, has done the quiz. He's done pretty well the last couple of weeks. After... Uh, and he, he was saying in the office before we came in, he said he'd, uh, he'd made some harder questions this week. I'm just going to get up and I'm going to hide your notes. Which is slightly nerve-wracking. Uh, the score last week was. I can't remember what the score last week was. Five, ten, something like that. Nine, four and a half. Nine, four and a half. I knew you'd double the Right, so I've hidden your notes this week so you can't cheat. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay. okay, so OP up the quiz. Here we go. So, ten questions, play along at home. Let's know how you do. So, question one Australian James Nitties shot 64 in the first round at the ISPS and the Vic Open. But what world record did he equal during the round? Ooh. Well, I know this. Yeah, uh, I saw that. I wrote a story on that, actually. Indeed. See, this is you've got a story on all these questions. Question two. David Law was the victor of the tournament, but can you tell me his winning score? Ooh, I might have to guess. I know, I know Serka. Quiet, yeah. No, I, I've I've had to guess that one. Oh, okay. I was in bed at that time. Ah, 
who's currently leads the race to Dubai standings? Oh. I think I looked at this earlier. Oh. Oh, it's scratching his head. Is the door open? I thought I had a chance a couple of weeks ago and you got then got nine out of ten. Have you written anything down? I haven't yet, oh. no. <laughs> Question four. Phil oh yes, I know this. Phil Mickelson became the oldest ever winner at the AT and T Pebble Beach Brand. How old is he? I think I said this already, didn't I? Yep. Question five. Ted Potter Jr. won last year's AT and T tournament. But this year, what did he shoot in the first round to end any hope he had for defending the title? I'm gonna have to guess. Can I shoot can I um can I say how many over or under par or do I have to say the exact number? I think you need to say the number, don't you? What did he shoot in the first round? You under pressure? I think I might lose this week. Oh, oh dear. So, ah, I think I know this one as well. Former NFL player Tony Romo was playing off scratch last week in the, at the AT&T. His clubs are reported to be hand-me-downs from two tour players. Who are they? Do you know that? I think so. Because I did what it does does help if you watch a bit of the golf and then he talks about what happened. We're going to talk about that. He played quite well, Tony Romo. Uh, oh, how many? <laughs> this is a tough one. How many English golfers are currently in the world's top thirty? This is going to have to just be a guess. Okay. Oh, I think it, I think this must be a lot around the thirty mark. I'm guessing. I don't know. Okay. Uh, question eight. Which former golfer did an impression of Sergio Garcia recently after the Spanish was disqualified from the Saudi International? Did you see that? Yes, <laughs> I did. You you wrote something down very quickly there. Well, you know, we know we were talking about it on Friday. Uh, question nine: Bubba Watson defends his Genesis Open win uh, this coming week. How many times has he won the title? We know that already. Oh. Well. And question ten. Tiger Woods returns to the PJ Tour schedule this week at the same tournament, which means the Genesis Open. Where did he finish in the tournament last year? Well, again, we've discussed that. So, there we go. I don't think I did very well I there. Not, I've guessed on three of them, I think. Okay. So, question one. James Nitty's had nine birdies in a row. Yeah. Tick. Question two. Oh, we've both written 18 under. We've both written 18 under. We're just showing each other. And the answer is minus 18. Wow. That was that was good. I thought that went on the centre. So, I, question three. Okay, you're, looking, you're very worried, aren't you? What was question three? Uh, who leads the race to Dubai? The Dubai rankings. I've written Shane Lowry. Have I not? Was that right? Shane Lowry. Oh, oh I went for Hal Tong Lee. <laughs> I'm in the lead, I'm in the lead all year. Uh, four. I'm getting excited here. Phil Mickelson became the oldest ever winner at the AT&T Pell Beach Brand. How old is he? He's 48. 48, 48 yeah. 48, 48. Oh, this is a big question because we've got... Oh, was it 82? It. Yeah, Ted Potter Jr. won last year's AT&T tournament. But this year, what does he shoot the first round to end any hope of defending his title? I knew it was 80-something. He's 82. I've right? written... 
10 over, which is correct. 10 over slash 81. That is not correct. <laughs> I think I've got a big chance. Am I too off on you? Yeah. Uh, former NFL player Tony Romo was playing scratch last week at the AT&T. The clubs reportedly handed down some two top players. Who are they? Tiger and Spieth. Woods and Spieth. Uh, <laughs> I'm on fire. How many English golfers carry the world's top 30? Oh, I went for three. Casey, Hatton and Rose. Casey, Hatton. You forgot about Fleetwood. Oh. <laughs> four, four, I've written four. I thought, I thought it was four or five. Who must be near? I thought Poulter must be close to it. Yeah, probably. I actually thought Poulter. Is Poulter? Where's Poulter and Hatton? They must be very close to each other. Is Hatton not in the top 30? I don't uh, Well, he says, uh, Sam has written Rose, Fleetwood, Casey, Hatton. Oh. Poulter must just be outside the Um Question 8. Which former golfer did an impression of Sergio Garcia recently after Spaniards disqualified the Saudi International? Nick Faldo. Nick yeah. Sir Nick Faldo. All oh, right. A bit of beef going on between those two, isn't there? There's a little bit, but I wouldn't worry about it. Uh, question 9. Bob Watson defensive Genesis Open next uh, week. Ham Tuzzy won the title. Three. Yeah, I got that. So how many have you got? So with one, one I've one, lost already by I have, some margin. I've got nine out of nine. I've used what? All, I've used all my luck this week. You got them all right. I've, I've guessed on three. Oh my goodness! So last one. Tiger was returned for PJ Tour schedule this week. Where did he finish in tournament last year? He missed the cut. Yeah, he missed the cut. Missed cut. Missed cut. Incredibly, I have got ten. I can't believe ten. that. Thank you very much. That's <laughs> uh, 7 out of 10 for me. And then you get 7 out of 10. So oh. it was the three I guessed. So I guessed on the 18 under, the 82, and the, the four English golfers. Incredible. <sighs> well played, Tom. So what's the score? 4 2 now. Goodness, I, I'm so happy to have properly got off the mark. My other point was a draw, wasn't it? To be fair. Yeah. I'm so happy. No, good on Over you. Over the moon. You That's play- the first 10 out of 10 of the season, isn't it? I, I, I can actually get a bonus point for that. Yeah, go on then. 11 out of 10. No, I mean for no, uh, no, no. So, uh, incredible scenes here at the, at the Golf Monthly, in the, in the Golf Monthly equipment cupboard as I finally win a quiz. Um, thanks for listening, as ever, everybody. Next week, we'll be back to recap the Genesis Open and the World Super Six Perth, and we'll also preview the first WGC of 2019, which is in Mexico, which should be a really good event. That's one of my favourite tournaments of the year. Yeah, it was really good. Brilliant. We won there last year. <clears throat> Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson. He's not an elite player, though, is he? No comment. Uh, remember to subscribe to this podcast on your usual podcast provider. And do leave us a review on iTunes if you have the time to do so. We're also, of course, available not only on iTunes, but also Acast, Spotify, and everything else which is out there. Do also check out our social media channels, Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook, at Golf Monthly on Twitter, at Golf Monthly on Instagram. The Golf Monthly YouTube channel where there's loads of videos with all the best players in the game and some great instruction and reviews. And of course, the Golf Monthly website, golf-monthly.co.uk. Until next week, Elliot, it's been great fun. Yeah, thanks for having me, Tom. Nice and studio here in the gear cupboard. I've enjoyed it. We'll come here again next week. Uh, until then, speak to you again next week.